My name is Peter O'Donnell. I'm a solutions architect with Amazon Web Services. I support the Capital One account. I've been working with them for about 14 months now, and it's a real privilege to be associated with this customer who's done so much in this space and has really helped push our platform forward. We're going to talk about automating compliance this morning, and I'm just going to do a quick introduction to some of the core building blocks that we have on the platform that you can use to solve these kinds of problems. And then I'm going to introduce my good friend who's going to tell you about our open source project at Capital One, his open source project at Capital One, that uses this one of these core building blocks. So we're going to go through the building blocks. Then we're going to get into Cloud Custodian with Kapil. He's going to take you all the way through it. Really great story here. So the AWS building blocks for event detection and response, because that's fundamentally what you have to think about when you think about compliance on the cloud. The bad old days, I think everybody here, if you're interested in this topic, you're probably very familiar with some of these challenges. Configuration states were point in time. If you've ever pasted a screenshot of a configuration into a Word document to turn over to an auditor, you know what I mean. And there was a story about the compliance on that date when you pasted the screenshot into that document. Maybe that date was December 31st, and then you have a whole other year go by, and you've got to make another Word document. It's a bad story. It's not effective. It doesn't answer the core questions for your stakeholders. It doesn't answer the core questions for your regulators. It doesn't answer the core questions for your auditors. It doesn't answer the core questions for your colleagues who need to know how something is set up and maintained over time. It's a bad story for developers. Maintaining this visibility requires infrastructure and software that is clumsy and, and, and inelegant. Getting that point-in-time view at best still requires agents and polling, requires running through all of your instances. And this remediation activity was then batch-oriented. So here's the list of the findings, or here's the list of the things we discovered. You turn over that document on December 31st, and maybe a couple months later, you get a sheet back, all right, we got to go fix it all. That's a long time to have issues in your environment, severe or otherwise. And this best effort for compliance is clearly not what you really want. It's not bar raising. It doesn't really get the job done. So what should it look like and what should it feel like to be cloud native in this space? You want event-driven visibility into the changes in your platform. You want to have a facility for timely remediation. You want to tightly couple that detection to the remediation so that your time period where you came out of compliance in whatever way was as narrow as possible. You want to get detailed information about the deviation from compliance so that you know exactly what's necessary to take corrective action. It's not enough to say this server has an issue, go look it up and figure it out. You really want to know what that is. You want to have a parallel, parallelized, I swear to God, I've never been able to say that word right. You want a highly parallel solution because you're going to end up doing this at scale. Maybe you do this today on-prem with hundreds of servers, but if you're a growing business or a very large business, You've got real challenges to get this to go wide. You want to have programmatically addressable events. So again, not just enough to get detailed information back, but be able to get that information back in a way that you could immediately pass into automated remediation. Not, here's the worksheet for your sysadmin. 
but here's the worksheet that immediately goes into what is necessary to remediate and address whatever gaps there are. And this whole idea ought to come together in an actionable, data-rich way with comprehensive, auditable logging and visibility into it. So a great way to get started with this is Lambda. Everybody here is familiar with Lambda, our serverless compute platform. You don't have to pay for infrastructure. You only pay for when your code runs. And you can hook that up not only for your business logic, but Lambda supports a key idea called event sources. And so you can do clever things that this bucket, when an object's placed into it, it should run some code. And that can be great if you want to maybe generate thumbnails or watermark images. That's kind of a business question. In the context of compliance, Lambda supports these event sources, so when events happen on the platform, your code can run right away. It's a very powerful idea. These services are hooked up to your functions. They're permissioned into your functions. You can hook it up to not only events, you can also hook it up to the streams in Dynamo. You can hook it up to the streams in Kinesis and take automated programmatic action in response to events on the platform. We also, of course, have a managed service that does this. AWS Config can tell a story over time. So instead of point-in-time compliance, you can have a continuous story of compliance. AWS Config will have a, provide you an inventory of everything that exists in the platform. Very challenging to know what is plugged in in your data center. When you come to the cloud, we're going to answer that question in a brand new way. And Config can help you do that. To discover new resources, and Config can associate your resources so that when they change state over time, Config can provide that view for you. Config also supports a very critical idea called config rules. And config rules is a way of programmatically addressing the question of compliance. So config will capture over time your resources and their change, and config rules can make sure that they are hooked up the right way. We provide some rules out of the box. We've got some open source rules out on the GitHub. And you, of course, can create your own rules to define what compliance means for your business and for your organization. This is all hooked up automatically, but it doesn't cover the entire platform. We're constantly working on this and working to expand it, but this is a great way to get started. But a bigger idea across the platform is this CloudWatch events. Now, we introduced this last year, and when it was in private preview, Kapil and Capital One worked with our service team to refine CloudWatch events, to get it to be what we want it to be, but more importantly, what our customer needed it to be. CloudWatch events tells a story on an event bus. Events are emitted into this, and you can capture and collect those events and take action against them. This is very powerful not only for orchestration or your platform management, but of course for compliance in particular. Events are admitted into this bus when resources change, because ultimately that's what you're interested in. The events can go to targets. The target could be an SNS notification into a topic that you're subscribed to. The target could also, of course, be Lambda. And then you could have rules where you can select out of the platform, out of the event bus, the things you're most interested in. You get rapid notification of changes, reduce or eliminate the necessity of polling, get the reliable infrastructure that you don't have to manage yourself. We manage it for you. The event bus already exists. You don't have to invent that and you get uniform, event-driven understanding of what's happening in your platform. These changes are delivered to you in a near real-time fashion so that as these things grow and as they change, 
the definition of compliance can be applied immediately to what's actually happening. You can react to suspicious behavior. You can react to problematic behavior. You can react to things that are not compliant. Eliminating polling is a huge idea. Again, polling is just a better, slightly more time coherent story than my December 31st problem. So this is okay, but eliminating polling is so much better. In this reconstructing this local view, in other words, the event state changes over time, and our CloudWatch events platform supports that. So you can understand not only what's currently happening, but kind of what it used to be. And again, this reliable, infrastructure-free way of solving this. You don't have to launch a CloudWatch events instance. It already is there. All you have to do is listen to it and let it tell you the story about what's happening on the platform. And again, this idea of event-driven information, critical to managing compliance and delivering compliance and code execution that defines not only what compliance is, but defines the remediation for it. CloudWatch events covers a lot of the platform. On the right, you'll see a lot of services are hooked up to CloudWatch events. Different actions go out into the event bus. We just recently added support there at the bottom for EBS snapshotting events and ECS events, the Elastic Container Service. Elastic Container Service, the state change of your tasks, the state change of the compute that drives those tasks. It's key building block for building sophisticated orchestration on top of it. These events on the platform describe what it is that you are doing. And if this is a compliance audience, it's what your colleagues are doing. Because it's your job to make sure that they are safe. It's your job to make sure that the stakeholders can be confident. This is how we do this. We emit, we emit the events. The events have detailed information as to exactly what happened and give you not just what happened, but the context for the change. Who did it? Where did it kind of come from? And then you can select against these patterns. Programmatically, you can understand it's not enough. It's not a bulletin. It's not a row in a spreadsheet that you get three months after submitting that Word doc. You get a contextually rich, programmatically addressable way. And this building block is very, very powerful. So. AWS Lambda event sources, terrific way to get started. Programmatically react to events on the platform. AWS config and config rules, a managed service that can bring all this together and tell a compliance story over time. And AWS CloudWatch events, this powerful building block with an event-driven, programmatically addressable, contextually rich information for what is happening on the platform. This building block is key to what Kapil has built with Cloud Custodian. So it is my great pleasure to introduce you to my friend, Kapil Thangalevu from Capital One. Hi folks, my name is Kapil. Uh, I'm a developer at Capital One, and I wanted to introduce you to an open source project we've released uh, called Cloud Custodian. So as organizations are going into the cloud, they, are, they all have these same problems. They all have these things that they want to do to, that are common across all these organizations. Slightly different variations. They're, they want to do policies for tag management. They want to do cost management. They want to do access controls and garbage collection. And they're all sort of fairly similar, and they all need to work across all the different awesome Amazon services that are out there and they also need to be independent of any of the provisioning techniques 
that ADAPT team might use, if it's, you know, CloudFormation or Terraform or what have you. And so I term that sort of problem domain sort of fleet management, policy management over your account itself. And sort of the natural way that people get started off in tackling those problems is they end up doing sort of ad hoc scripts and or Lambda functions. And there's a, a you can start off that way and then you quickly realize that when, where you get to is maybe not necessarily a good place. You get into this place where you end up, these things end up multiplying. You end up with 10 of them and then 50 of them and then 100 of them. And there comes a question of, well, how are they engineered? Uh, who, where are they running? Who's monitoring them? Um, do they have unit tests? Uh, how do they handle rate limit errors? Um, and so looking at that target say, you're, we, we decided that we needed to come up with something better. Um, and if we looked at what the, those things are doing, we could say, we can identify some common goals that we want and some common behaviors that they do. From a goals perspective, we want sort of something that gives us total account level visibility um, of all the policies that are managing an account. We want something that gives us consistent outputs, um, you know, an audit trail, metrics, monitoring. And from a goals perspective, we we can, or from an underlying sort of commonality perspective, we can say that these things are all doing something fairly similar. They are uh, querying a set of resources, they're looking for something, a particular interesting set of things amongst those resources, and then they're taking some actions upon them. And so that embodies sort of what Cloud Custodian does. Um, it's a rules engine for AWS, and um, it, it basically takes the, does that querying of the live resources in your account. So regardless of whatever provisioning technique was used to put those resources in place, um, we'll go, out, go ahead and query them out and match them to a given policies, filters, and then take actions. But the important part here is as we're getting new developers coming in to the cloud uh, from, you know, recruiting straight out of college, for example, um, we want to be able to drive behavior change to teach them how to do things correctly that's compliant with those policies. So being able to notify them is really important as far as being able to teach them how to do better if they do something wrong um, or how to cost optimize. And in addition to that, we have, of course, top of the line policies that we want to just keep as an organization with regards to, you know, don't put a database out on the internet, you know, standard things. Um, and so Cloud Custodian inside of Capital One has been widely successful from a, uh, an ability to, to drive those, those goals of having sort of a common infrastructure for uh, defining policies across the enterprise. So the enterprises have lots of dashboards, um, and Custodian does not include a dashboard. Uh, we output metrics into CloudWatch, and you can set up another, uh, and you can set up some graphs on operational side things. Um, but we didn't want to just be another read-only reporting dashboard that basically was an accumulator for manual work. We wanted to actually real-time take care of problems as they occurred and, uh, and, and, change that, and drive that behavior change. So what does it actually look like? So it's basically just a YAML, a set of YAML files. Um, and each of the other uh, config files basically a set of policies. Each of them is targeted toward policies targeted towards a particular resource. Um, so we've got three here. These are really simple. These are basically the simplest policies that you can get. Um, each of these policies will basically query an account for the, the, these respective resources. Um, and you know we support. We have widespread support across all the AWS services. Um, 
it's about a dozen lines of code to add a new service. Uh, we internally use a meta model to, to, to sort of abstract out a lot of the, the commonalities between the different services. And so we can take something as simple as this, and then we can start sort of filtering onto what we actually want. So taking that ASG example, well, let's say we want to sort of look for autoscale groups that have uh, snapshots associated to them that are not encrypted. So when they launch an instance, it's, it's going to come up unencrypted. And then we want to say, mm, if it has, we want to find an autoscale group that's mi missing one of these two tags, either a cost center, department ID, and it's set up for launching really large instances, and it's using a security group that has a tag called network location, uh, which has a set value set to public, and then it's being underutilized. So large, uh, unencrypted, and uh, on public internet. And so we're able to glom these sort of filters together in, in very, rich, very rich ways to, uh, to find it, what we're looking for. Um, so these, a lot of these filters end up being reused across different resources, um, but, and then there's some that are specific to a uh, given resource. So an autoscale group, the, the non-encrypted filter, actually is scanning the launch configs, it's scanning the AMIs, and it's specific to an autoscale group. Um, but the, the core notion is that we have this sort of vocab, we're building up a vocabulary of these filters and actions that we sort of scope down to as fine grain as we can so that we can take a, an action like stop an EC2 instance and use it for uh, tag compliance to stop it or for off hours at night or for uh, stopping it before we resize the instance. And so by sort of decomposing the, that these functions into sort of the smallest reusable unit, we're able to get a lot of great reuse um, and crafting policies. Uh, we have, yeah, and widespread support across sort of crossing the service boundaries in AWS. So like in this example, we've, we're crossing over to CloudWatch metrics, we're crossing over into sort of the, the network substrates. And so we're, that, that's a, been a really helpful thing. Amazon famously has a sort of two pizza rule for team size. And you know, it's really great for them to be able to move fast and announce a dozen products today. But from a consumer side being able, and doing management, we want to be able to, we want, we want to have a sort of a consistent interface that allows us to cross all those service boundaries and impose policies uh, uniformly. So uh, one of the most interesting filters that's generic across all these resources is the value filter. Um, it uses sort of JNES path expressions, which are built in as, in the, as the query language in the command line. Uh, I sort of think of it as XPath for JSON. And so we extend that, uh, the, J the JMES path expressions with some additional uh, window dressing for doing sort of uh, richer comparisons, being able to match values within lists, being able to do type conversions to age or to sitters, um, and, then, uh, and then being able to, additionally, to be able to do integrations with external systems, like being able to pull values from URLs from a CMDB for an exception list, or being able to um, uh, pull files from Git if you need it. And so this uh, generic value filter ends up solving a lot of the 80-20 rule. Like we can sort of get a lot of value just by doing output match, uh, doing a stringing together set of value filters on a particular resource. And the actual output, uh, the, the actual resource that we're filtering is effectively the output that it describes. 
calls for a given resource. So on the action side, um, this is where we sort of go from reading and querying and trying to find out the set that we're looking for to actually taking actions uh, and, and uh, affecting changes on the resource. Um, we have about 200 different actions uh, divided into uh, the generic set and as well as the resource-specific set. Uh, for this one, this is like you know, suspending an ASG for tag compliance reasons um, and then actually remapping a tag on the ASG and then propagating the, that remapping down to its instances. So a lot of very practical things that we needed as, as a consumer of AWS services, um, you can find sort of as built-in actions um, working in a, in a large environment. And so for these policies, you can actually sort of string them together to create sort of richer semantic workflows. Like taking this policy of if you have uh, poorly tagged instances, let's stop them in one day and then terminate them in three. So we actually model that as sort of uh, three separate policies. I've got two up on the display here. Uh, the first one is basically going to look for instances, uh, it's going to provision itself in the Lambda, oh, we'll go into that in a minute, and it's going to look for instances that are missing one of these three required tags of app, env, or owner, and that we haven't considered yet. Uh, by default, we use this made status tag for, for keeping uh, transient state for on the resource for these uh, mark for op and uh, actions and filters. And so if it's missing one of those three, we'll actually mark it to be stopped by adding a tag value to it and say that we want it to be stopped in one day. Now, a day later, this policy on the right is going to come by and execute and find all those resources that were marked to stop, verify that they're still missing their required, one of their required tags, and actually stop the instance, and then mark it to be stopped uh, in, it's marked it to be terminated in two days. So cha by chaining together these policies, we can sort of do rich workflows. We can use, we use this a lot for garbage collection, where you know if you have an ELB that doesn't have an instance, uh, any instances behind it, we might give you like two days grace, or an unattached EBS volume, we might give you 30 days grace, and so uh, you can sort of create fairly rich semantic policies around a lot of different topics just by stringing together policies. So consistent outputs. Um, got a so we uh, output into CloudWatch logs. Um, we use that for a lot of our operations, just to subscribe to the log groups to determine if there's any operational issues. Um, it's also just sort of useful. Um, we treat S3 as sort of our audit trail of anything we've touched. We will output out to S3 the, what we've done to it, the, policy, uh, the actual uh, resource description, um, and then output to CloudWatch metrics for sort of alarming and dashboarding and then uh, some built-in CSV reporting commands. So string that all together, what does it look like? So we've got a, a, a convict file, which is a set of policies. A policy is made up of, is targeted towards a resource using this rich vocabulary of filters and actions. And then we have outputs, uh, our consistent outputs into CloudWatch metrics, CloudWatch logs, and S3. So, uh, building on what Peter introduced on some of the building blocks that Amazon provides for sort of going into a sort of real-time mode, um, let's talk about some of our execution modes. So, custodian um, will, is, the policies themselves are sort of uh, isomorphic to how they're executing. By default, we'll just run on a command line and you can, uh, and we'll pull the resources directly. But by taking advantage of things like Amazon CloudWatch events uh, and Lambda functions, we're actually able to go into real-time mode. So by adding this mode section here, 
we're actually, and if we do a run, uh, like a certain run command, we'll actually provision a Lambda, create a CloudWatch event rule, create a CloudWatch event target, hook it up to that Lambda, and this policy will run directly in Lambda. And it still gives us that, those, you know, the, the, cloud, the, the metrics output is not just that of the generic Lambda execution, but actually of the the resources that match this policy as executing Lambda. And really, this is sort of, you know, transformational. Like, being able to impose semantic policies on top of the AWS APIs is really powerful for, for being able to do policy enforcement on an account. And, you know, I, I've seen people try to do this with sort of hot polling techniques and, you know, in, in large accounts, you know, because of rate limit issues, it's, it's just not, this is, CloudWatch events to me is transformative. It really enables whole new ways of managing accounts. Um, and then we also support, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, I have some more details. Um, so you, with CloudWatch events, we're able to effectively subscribe to any uh, API call that's being made in, into, that's being logged into CloudTrail. Um, as well as to sort of instances coming up or uh, ASGs uh, that are spinning. Uh, we're, we're, this has been really great to be able to sort of extend this, the semantics of what we're doing with policies onto any given API call. Um, that, you know, as you create a volume, make sure, making sure that it's encrypted. As you uh, launch an instance, making sure that it's not set up to have a public IP. And so this has been really fantastic from, from being able to do our policy enforcement. Um, and then as we, you know, from a custodian's implementation perspective, we effectively just, you know, as that resource, as we get triggered by an event, we'll just query the state of that resource to, to, to run it through the policy evaluation, the same way as, that we would as we had pulled this pull set. So uh, by default, when custodian's running, we're effectively running on this polling mode uh, where we're just sort of querying out the set of the resources. Uh, what's interesting is that we're, we utilize a, a client-side cache effectively. So if we might, if we're executing you know, 500 policies for EC2, we're going to query EC2 once and then run through the cache for the rest of the policies in that execution. Um, and then, you know, that, that cache is region-aware and, and resource type-specific. Um, and then that, that we also use that cache when we're sort of crossing the, the service boundaries between, you know, uh, a Lambda function, for example, and its subnets. Um, and then we support a periodic mode where we'll actually provision a Lambda on a custom schedule, but it's not something I generally recommend just because it's, uh, it's useful for sort of small accounts for sort of, you know, ad hoc things like, you know, doing off hours. But for larger accounts, the, the, getting the efficiency of the cache is really helpful for quality of service. So one of the... Uh, one of the interesting AWS services is, is AWS Config, which sort of plays in this compliance space as well. Um, and you know, early on in Custodian's development, uh, we considered whether or not we wanted to make Config entirely, uh, sorry, make Custodian entirely Config-based. Um, and because it has a lot of nice properties. You know, it, it keeps a version graph of all of your resource state uh, that you can sort of you know, query historical versions. Um, it is integrated into the console, so you can sort of surface visibility directly to, to, to end users. 
Um, but the sort of why we sort of left off on it was that it just didn't have the service coverage. We're using a lot of Amazon services, and we want to be able to manage and, and do policies across all those, uh, which is why we, we ended up sort of targeting CloudWatch events initially. But we added uh, support for config rules, and I think we're probably one of the, the easiest ways to, to write and to provision config rules. Uh, effectively, this policy on the bottom left is a security group policy uh, by typing, by adding in this mode config rule. Uh, this will automatically get provisioned as a custom config role. This particular policy is saying um, if a security group is allowing inbound access on any one, any port but these, then it's not compliant. Um, and so in this case, and then on the right-hand side, I just have sort of the output of what that looks like. So I often get asked, you know, what can Custodian do? And, you know, quite literally, if I took the combinatorial expansion of, you know, you know, 100 resources and 200 filters and 200 actions and arbitrary Boolean uh, nesting of them. You know, it's millions of things. I, I can at least go through some of the things that we are doing, but I really think that, you know, I've seen people do lots of interesting things that I never imagined. Uh, and that's sort of, you know, one of the signs to me that, that the tool is sort of hitting that right sweet spot uh, where people are able to, to use it for their own purposes um, that it wasn't really intended for. Um, so, we, yeah. We go through, all, oh, I'll skip over this, but this is a bunch of stuff that we actually do today with Custodian uh, at Capital One. So this is some big enterprise tool, and it's probably really hard to install, and it probably needs a database, and I need a DevOps guy, and a bunch of, like, uh, chef cookbooks, and no. Uh, we try to keep it as simple as possible. Um, it's effectively the same install as the AWS CLI, uh, if you can pip install it, and you're pretty much done. It effectively runs stateless. Uh, we, uh, we do our outputs into uh, various permanent stores like S3 and CloudWatch logs, but the actual runtime effectively just queries the state directly from AWS to evaluate. Um, and then, you know, you can write a sample policy, you can uh, execute it. Uh, an interesting capability, which is sort of critical, is, is this ability, you know, this is, these are tools of sort of mass operation on your accounts. And so being, uh, having sort of the safety guards uh, and capabilities are really important. Uh, the tool itself actually does, uh, validates all the config files with JSON schema. There's a separate validate subcommand uh, sub that we use in some of our CI pipelines. Another key capability is this dry run notion where we'll actually execute all the filters, we'll carry out all the resources and show you what this policy would match, but we won't take any actions on them. Um, and, and one, so one thing that we've sort of been uh, a little bit, we, we've sort of iterated on features faster than we have in our documentation. Um, custodian was open sourced in April at the uh, Chicago summit. Uh, and one, so we, we took a look at that, you know, coming out to reInvent, wanted to improve our docs. So uh, I figured out that the, probably the easiest way for us to do that, that was always gonna be up to date, was just to generate the docs from the code and to put it right where policy authors are, which is which was on the command line. Um, and so Cassidian now has this built-in schema subcommand, which will interactively show you all the filters and resources, um, and it'll actually spit out the, the you know the JSON schema and the, and the class docs for uh, any given uh, element that you can use in a policy. Really excited about this. Um, so switching out tracks. Uh, enough about you know what it, what it looks like. How, what can you actually do with it? 
So some example policies. Um, you know, one thing is uh, that I've often seen is like, you know, who created that bucket or who created that ELB? And trying to figure that out um, ends up being uh, time consuming. You know, not everyone necessarily has indexes. Uh, people typically can, you can, you can go through CloudTrail. You can index CloudTrail, but not necessarily everyone has index, access to those indexes. So the easiest way ends up being just auto-tag it. Um, as it comes up, just put the tag of who created it onto uh, the resource. Um, and so we support that for a number of different resources, and that, that's been very helpful just for visibility in the console of who actually made something. Um, you know, it, you, you don't necessarily want to put this on top of a, uh, an existing, you know, org tag that you're using that automation might like, put into place because, you know, going into the Lambda on tag APIs, there's a bit of race condition, but having a separate field for the auto-generated, the auto-tagged ta auto user um, is helpful in the case of their automation isn't there. Of course, you know, lots of security things, but uh, the, one of the, you know, the bigger you know, table stakes is just making sure you have CloudTrail and config enabled and configured correctly for your account. Um, you know, this particular policy val validates that an account is set up with CloudTrail that's running correctly, that's, you know, set up with KMS, that's set up with file digest um, and then if you wanted to make it real time, all, all you'd have to do uh, as far as doing, like you could actually just subscribe to the API calls that actually enable CloudTrail. And so if anyone tries to modify it, you can be alerted or notified. Uh, there's lots of, lots of opportunities for cost savings, um, uh, especially in, in some of the lar in larger accounts uh, with lots of different teams. Um, this particular one is uh, one that will go look at RDS databases. So we have CloudWatch metrics support, and we have it universally across all resources that we support, um, across all uh, metrics that, uh, uh, that are available. And so one of the interesting ones for RDS is, for example, is to find you know, databases that don't have any connections for the last two weeks. So by definition, they're unused. And then in this context, we're, we're instituting one of these sort of multi-step workflows where we'll give it some grace period, we'll notify the user, and then eventually we'll just garbage collect it and delete it. And you can do that across lots of things. Um, EBS, you know, CloudWatch law groups that haven't been written to in the last 30 days, um, you know, Red, Redshift, uh, ELBs, et cetera. So another one is, especially for uh, folks that are potentially coming from sort of, you know, a, a non-cloud environment into a cloud environment where they're used to sort of pre-allocating uh, as much as they think the service will ever possibly use, is, um, is, is sort of finding things that people have over-provisioned and then resizing them. Uh, there's a lot of caveats to resizing. Um, you know, you can only do it to, you can't do it uh, across arbitrary instance types. Uh, but you can do it within a particular family uh, as long as you don't lose EBS optimization. So th this has been really helpful for sort of just containing costs on things and actually getting people to get into that cloud mentality of, of utilizing resources on demand uh, as they need it. Um, another one is sort of the network perimeter. Um, this is sort of a contrived example. We, we, you can use custodian and you know, sort of this policy management, but it's also really useful just as sort of an ad hoc query tool where you just want to find, use some of its abilities to sort of cross service boundaries to, to answer questions about what's happening in your account. Um, so in this case, here's a, a contrived example of uh, we don't necessarily want, we don't want to have any ELB instances 
that have EC2 instances attached to them that have IAM roles. We want to have at least one hop before uh, a, any requests that come in um, get to API level access into our AWS account. And so this policy will basically look for ELBs that are internet facing and that have instances behind them that have an, I, an IAM profile. So other things on the network perimeter, again, using the, sort of an ingress rule to sort of find where uh, ports, where, where a resource, uh, where security group is allowing access for things that we don't necessarily want. Um, or you can do one where you find security groups that are not being used. Uh, it's sort of the, the semantics, the amount of code that's expressed behind one of these filters or actions is, you know, it can be extremely complex. We have ones for uh, encrypting EC2 instances where we'll take an EC2 instance, we will snapshot, stop it, snapshot it, create encrypted snapshots, create encrypted volumes, patch them back into the instance. But from a policy expression perspective, it's still just this one line. Um, so it ends up being you know, very productive for an author. Um, we do a lot of uh, encryption, as a regulated group, we do a lot of encryptions uh, everywhere uh, in our, across our accounts. And so we try to, um, Cassetti has rich support for sort of detecting unencrypted things and being able to either delete them or start notifying them. Um, and so this is also shows sort of our notify action where we'll actually send out an email to that user, specify a template, route it through SQS. Um, and in addition to sort of, you know, encryption at rest semantics, you also want to deal with uh, transport level security. So on your RDA, you verify that your Redshift database is using TLS or your RDS databases as well. Um, S3 buckets. So. S3 is a, is a very scalable service, uh, but it has a lot of nuances. Um, and so this policy, so what we're going to do here is we want to say all of our objects are encrypted. So as a, a bucket is created, we're going to slap an encryption required policy down, or we're going to say it needs either AES-256 or KMS encryption on its objects. But some of the Amazon services that use S3 buckets, uh, like ELB logs or S3 access logs, they won't actually uh, be able to encrypt, won't be able to use those buckets um, or CloudFormation. And so what we'll do is we'll actually, the second policy on the on bottom will actually detect if that bucket is actually a log target, um, in which case it'll scan through all the ELBs, they'll scan through all the other S3 buckets. And, and if this bucket, particular bucket is a target for any of those other log destinations, then we'll actually, in this case, we'll remove the encryption required policy and attach a Lambda function, um, which will actually encrypt objects as they're dropped into the, into the buckets. Uh, sort of a, a pet peeve of mine is, you know, from a risk management perspective is that, uh, you know, encryption at rest prevents against a particular threat model that it is, you know, requires sort of physical access to the underlying hardware of the service as well as mapping that back out to a customer. So, you know, I liken it to winning the lottery. Um, in access controls, with because these all of these resources that we're, we're, we're talking about in AWS are effectively available through public endpoints, um, is, is a sort of the number one concern, I think, for any any enterprise or organization going into the, using the cloud. And so, and a lot of these, several of these resources like 
S3 and you know, ECR and SNS and SQS allow for sort of embedded IAM policies that allow for externalized, externalizing access across accounts. So uh, in this context, custodian will actually uh, parse that, those IAM policies and you give it a sort of a set of accounts that you want, think are sort of good, and it'll detect if there's access to that resource from outside of that set of accounts, um, which is you know, really useful for being able to sort of detect, uh, to, to guarding your network perimeter, or I like to call it the resource perimeter. Um, sort of another one that, that's, that's useful from a security perspective is just, you know, things that are not being used, like, uh, I am credentials that are just sitting around unused or just or just uh, threat vectors that can be exploited at a later date. So you know, things that aren't being used, let's clean them up. So in this case, we're going to use the IAM credential report to filter out our IAM users to find out all those that have not, uh, not actually used their access keys in the last 90 days. Uh, Lambda's a hot topic, and so, you know, and there's a lot of interesting Lambda integrations. Um, some of them potentially are not necessarily things you, you potentially want in your environment um, for whatever reasons. Um, and so in this case, uh, we're sort of stringing along and finding out, looking at our Lambda functions and finding out what's actually invoking them. Like, is it Alexa, is it IoT? In this case, we're looking at an API gateway. And then we're also looking to see, uh, API, is API gateway invoking a Lambda that's attached to a subnet uh, which is tagged with an internal location, uh, in which case we can say we don't want that and delete the Lambda or send a notification to who created it. Uh, another great cost-saving technique is, is just turning things off when you're not using them. You know, developer accounts, uh, QA accounts that aren't being used, you know, being able to turn it off at night, on the weekends. Uh, we actually support custom tag, so this is all sort of opt-in via tag. We actually allow for uh, an application team to define their own schedule directly within the tag value. We, we supply some defaults, and then uh, this works for both ASGs and EC2 instances, um, and then it's a great technique just for, for saving costs. So we've done, a, so there's a lot of different capabilities in custodian. We've sort of done some additional uh, ancillary tools around custodian to help us both manage custodian as well as to, to further capabilities that are sort of ancillary and associated. Um, the first one is uh, Sentry. So how do we actually operationalize and sort of monitor this um, custodian as it's executing? So we, you know, we're outputting into CloudWatch logs. There's a really great error aggregation tool called Sentry. Uh, initially, we, we, we had like, you know, error log subscriptions that would email us, but you know, at scale, you know, uh, if there's hiccups in the AWS service or uh, in, our, in our code, then you know, that's not necessarily something that, that we, we want to deal with. So Sentry instead gives us a, a framework, a tool that it, it will error, aggregate all of those errors. It, in and of itself, it's also open source. It's a great product. Um, it has client libraries for web applications and mobile applications. Um, and so, but instead of actually integrating Sentry directly into the custodian code base uh, via its client libraries, we actually wrote something that will just parse the CloudWatch logs and extract the tracebacks and stack frames and then post it to Sentry. And so this gives us sort of an operational way of looking at the, the quality of, uh, of the execution and health of custodian. Um, another thing that, that's been of, of interest is sort of 
trying to ensure quality of service in the accounts, like are users hitting rate limits? Um, and, you know, again, all this information is in CloudTrail, and people are typically using, you know, Elasticsearch or Splunk on CloudTrail to be able to, to do those indexes, but not necessarily all the teams have access to that. Um, and one thing that, we, so one way that we tackled that was to just to index CloudTrail into SQLite and just do it on a regular, on a very timely basis. So like every hour of every day, aggregated by day, uh, generated every hour. And that uh, sort of gives us that timely information of being able to figure out, uh, letting, being able to crowdsource that and letting teams be able to figure out if, if they're having a problem because of rate limits, who else is using the API um, that's potentially causing uh, an issue. So finally, on sort of the uh, ancillary tools, we've got two. Um, I mentioned sort of that driving that behavior change. One of the key aspects for doing that is being able to send out notifications to users. Um, and that's sort of our custodian mailer component. Um, it's sort of, it's, you know, looking, mapping IM users and, and federation back to email addresses is a complex notion, so I really think of it more as a reference implementation. Um, but it supports LDAP resolution, templating, SES delivery. and. On S3, sometimes you, sometimes you find you actually do need to scan all of your objects. Um, and so we built out Selecticus as a tool for uh, distributed scale-out scanning of arbitrary bucket key spaces. Um, it, it tries several different techniques, and it's able to choose your objects effectively on linear capacity, so you can give a cluster additional capacity to scan through. And right now, it's, it's primarily targeted towards encryption, but um, it can do other techniques as well. The, some of the, the news capabilities that came out for S3 uh, in the last few days have been really interesting um, and potentially will hopefully obviate the need for, for, for using this, but it's still a useful tool for if you want to do at-scale processing for S3. Um, so roadmap. So where are we going? So better documentation, um, more network, like new features, like you know, there's, a 12, 12, uh, there's a dozen new services that were announced today. Um, you know, more more features or more services is, is more more work for us um, on the management side. So we'll be looking at, at doing some additional things there. Um, we I'm also interested in sort of looking at uh, how we can lock out unauthorized changes. So um, you know this is sort of taking advantage of Config's uh, version database to be able to say if a change was made to a resource and that change was not necessarily. Uh, one that was authorized, then we should be able to, to revert that change directly. Um, and then long-term, looking at some of the billing data um, you know, and being able to, to do, as part of the, our cost optimization, taking that uh, information to account and, of course, uh, eventually to multi-cloud. Uh, this is our Cassidian logo. I thought it was, uh, uh, it's, it reminded me a little bit of Werner's uh, T-shirt this morning. So it's open source. Where can you go? Um, it's on GitHub, and we are available on Gitter and a mailing list. Um, the Capital One Developer Portal uh, is has some of our other projects as well, as well as uh, an intro video to Custodian. And of course, we are hiring. So, so if we have a few minutes for Q and A, uh, if you could come up to the mics. Um, I'll take a question or two. Okay. Thank you.